We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Thursday. That's my dude, Sean Davis from the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm Brian Driscoll. And Sean, we're going to talk a little recruiting today, man, because it's June 1st. And what does June mean? June means official visits. Yeah. That's what June means. And so Notre Dame is going to kick off their official visit weekend tomorrow with several visitors on campus. Some committed players are going to be on campus. Some uncommitted players are going to be on campus. And then, of course, uh, Sunday, you have a big safety visitor arriving. There's going to be another safety, important safety visitor in the middle of the week. There's going to be a running back in the middle of the week. And then the next two weekends are going to be huge. And, Sean, the, the, the month is big. for It's always a big month for all teams, right? But for Notre Dame especially, I think, this month is going to determine whether this is a good class and whether this is like a, okay, you're – you're kind of keeping things moving forward. It's not a great year nationally. 2024 class is not a great year. It's not a loaded year. There's some good mm-hmm. depth of some places, but you know, you, you did a nice job. You, you loaded up on offense. Your defense is okay, but man, wait till 2025. Yeah. Or are you going to look at this class and say, <clears throat> this is a gap closing class. This class helps continue to move the needle. That is going to be determined by how well the month of June goes. It doesn't mean kids have to commit in June. It doesn't mean that they have to commit in July right after the June visits are over. It just means these are the kind of visits and the success from these visits are going to put Notre Dame in position to when push comes to shove, they're going to get the signatures. If they don't have success in June, it's going to be very, very hard for this class to be as good as it's capable of being. And that's really what's at stake, Sean, these next three to four weekends for Notre Dame. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And this year, you know, every recruiting class, it's like a different fabric, right? Remember your grandmother used to put together the quilts and, you know, different designs and everything. That's almost like every recruiting class. It's just put together. It flows different. Each class is different. You talked about the depth of this class. 2025 seems to have pretty much depth at a lot of positions that are going to help Notre Dame, particularly at the defensive line and Rush and Viper. So you, you start to make decisions in the 24 class as far as jumping out on certain guys and saying, you know what, is it more beneficial to wait until the 25 class for this position or for this guy? So with them making 25 offers right now, Irish Invasion coming up, there's a lot of things going on that culminate with the official visits. The vibe this year, in my opinion, is just like the fabric of the recruiting class. It's totally different. I can remember last year this time, it seemed like there was so much momentum for Notre Dame going into the month of June. And you just felt like, okay, it's a bug. You felt there were a bunch of commitments coming. That was the vibe going into June. This year, it's a different vibe, but still very much the same opportunity for Notre Dame to really lock in and make a really big imprint with four or five guys that are keys to close out this class and make it one of the best classes in the nation. And I'm sure we're going to talk about some of those individuals later in the show. But nothing's changed, right? Either way, regardless of how you feel going into June, the job is to put your best foot forward as a program on these visits and hit home runs with all of the kids that come in. So they have a task that's set before them, and we'll see how they do. You know, it's – it's it's funny sitting here because we were I think last June the word is we were so excited to get to the visits because we knew where they sat or how we felt where they sat with a lot it, of the kids it was closing in. time Sean yeah, yeah that's the whole point like when you look at last year's class I think the momentum thing that you brought up is perfect because. Yeah. It was, okay, you've got Christian Gray coming on campus. You've got Jaden Greathouse coming on campus. You've got uh, – I'm, I'm actually we'll – we'll just pull the list up right here and just kind of go through the guys that they had on campus last, last year for, the, for, the, uh, for um, summer visits. You had uh, Rico Flores made his visit in June. It was closing mm-hmm. that one down. It was uh, – you had Jaden uh, Osbury, Christian Gray – Jaden Greathouse, Jeremiah Love, uh, Joe Odding, Micah Bell, Charles Jagasaw was coming at the end of the month, and you felt like you were either the leader or like right in that top group for all those kids yeah. in the month of June was going was gonna to seal the deal for all those visitors. And it did. And you look at the month of June and July last year, you know they landed their first commitment of the month was Joe Odding on June 7th. 
you got Jagasaw on June 30th. And then they had that week in July where it was like at the end of June and July, where it was like Jagasaw, Bell, Rico, Christian Gray all committed like within a five day period. Yeah. And then Jaden Greathouse commits like uh, two weeks later, and your class is like, wow, okay, you're yeah. in shape now. <clears throat> and then, of course, you also had the Irish invasion and the, the summer camp where Ben Minich comes on campus, lights it up. The staff loves him, and then they make a push for him in August, and they're going to have those same camps this year as well, although this year there's a lot more 25 kids and 26 kids in the Irish invasion expected to come for the camps and, and different things this year. But you know, those visits were crucial. You didn't, right. you didn't get Jeremiah Love until October, but that visit basically made you the leader and you yeah. never lost it. And it's, yeah. it's sometimes it's that like, I don't expect Elijah Rushing to commit on July 3rd if he loves his Notre Dame visit, but this is the kind of visit that could put them in position where they get him down the road. And that's what makes this month so important, Sean. And in it, it what's also interesting is the offense and defense are looking at this two completely different ways. Right. The offense is let's put the finishing touches on all of our skill stuff, but it's very important for the offensive line. The secondary or the defense, it's okay, you've got to have success everywhere. Right. I mean, uh, but there's also going to be a little bit of an incomplete this June with the defensive line because Justin Scott, as of right now, is not going to be on campus this summer. So it's very interesting the dynamic that both of these sides of the ball are looking at, Sean. But the one thing that cannot be disputed is. If they don't crush it in June, this class is going to have a harder time. It's not impossible because if they go yeah. out there and light the world on fire and you know whoop Ohio State and whoop Clemson and USC and they're a playoff team, they'll be able to recover. But you put yourself in a really tough spot to where if you don't really knock it out of the park this June, it's going to make it a lot harder for them to close with the kind of class that that we talk about this, right? Stacking those classes on top of each other. They're they're somewhat doing that. This is the, as long as they keep everybody on offense, Sean. This this is another gap closing skill class. Mm-hmm. So you've got two in a row. You stacked two defensive classes in a row in the front seven in the twenty two and twenty three classes. The secondary class in twenty twenty two was not great. Uh, you had pretty darn good corners, but no safeties. And then obviously the, this past year, you you had a pretty darn good corners again, good safety class. So there's some areas where, you know, if you don't finish well here, you're not going to have the stacking on top of each other yeah. the way that we talk about, the way that they need, you know, offensive line. They got to finish strong. Receiver, just keep doing what you're doing, right? right. Running back, another strong class. But you want to get that second guy, another talented quarterback. So this month is going to be super important for Notre Dame. Offensively, Sean, let's let's talk offense because, as mm-hmm. we mentioned, there the the skill positions is kind of like okay, you're you're adding some ex- some some really you know, cherry on top type of players, right? The one position where that's not true is up front. This is a very important month for Notre Dame when it comes to offensive line recruiting. <laughs> there are there are going to be likely questions about Joe Rudolph as a recruiter with this class for a number of reasons. The Anthony Knapp decision. Uh, not going after certain guys like Liam Andrews and Caleb Brewer and, and players like that. Yeah. But this month gives him a chance to kind of slow down some of that because it's an interesting conversation because I don't I don't know that I would say Joe Rudolph is doing a bad job, a good job. I, I really don't know what kind of job he's doing. There's just so little discussion with some of the top guys on the board. It, we're going to find out if he can connect with with Gearby Lambert. And I'll, and I'll tell you a concern that I had. 
I was reading an interview somebody sent me that because uh, Charles Jaggers, I mean, um, Irby Lambert just doesn't talk. I mean, he just he won't talk to us. He doesn't talk to hardly anybody. But there was a, uh, an article he did with somebody. Can't remember who it was or what network is with. But he's talking about his favorite schools and he talks about Penn State and how much he likes their offensive line coach and Ohio State and their offensive line coach and Michigan and Sharon Moore. And then he gets to Notre Dame and it was all about the old line tradition, all about the school, not a peep about Joe Rudolph. Yeah. Now, one of two things happened is he answered questions that he was asked and, and about Notre Dame and it wasn't asked necessarily about Joe Rudolph, perhaps, or B, right now. Gearby doesn't have the connection with Joe Rudolph that he has with others. Well, this is your chance to fix that when you get him on campus. And so this is the, then there's, okay, you got Styles Prescott visiting early in the month right now. Grant Bricks hasn't scheduled a visit. So you're pretty much at the point where it's Prescott Lambert or bust at the present moment. And we're going to, we're going to find out about the ability of Joe Rudolph to close on this thing, because here's the reality of it. There's two sides to this. One is it's not a great offensive line class. And so it's 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 a year where I'm not necessarily going to have a full evaluation on Joe Rudolph the way that I did about Al Washington last year, where you step in the door and you've already got Keon in the class and Brendan Vernon in the class and you're the leader for Jason Moore and you're the leader for Devin Houston. And it's like, just don't screw it up. Right. Uh, This isn't it wasn't this was a year where it was it was similar to that, where you were considered the leader for I mean, Caleb Brewer, you were considered the leader for Styles Prescott. You were considered the leader for Gary Lambert because of yeah. the Harry stand. Now it's like, okay, this is a different animal because offensive linemen are still are so much about relationships more than any other position. But it's also not a good year where if you miss some of those guys, you can turn to a Sullivan Absher, a Sam Pendleton, a Joe Wadding. There just aren't as many of those guys in this class. So this month is for Joe Rudolph. It's going to tell us a lot. It's not going to tell us the full picture. But if he's he's going to have to close on Styles Prescott and make Notre Dame a player for Gearby Lambert again, if he wants to avoid some of the the um, not happiness, I guess unhappiness <laughs> of Notre Dame faithful when it comes to offensive line recruiting. Yeah, which goes to what you just talked about. Like you always give room to an incoming coach for their preference within their position room to look at those that might be in the class or those that might be having offers that might, you know, be at the top of the wish list. And for those guys to say, you know what, I actually like somebody better than this particular individual. You mentioned the Anthony Knapp thing with Kayla Brewer. I think we would probably disagree looking at the film on the two young men, but you know, he's the new head, new offensive line coach. You give him that room. Right. When he walks in to say, look, this is what, what I want to establish. I like this. Because he had conviction with it, right? He Charlie, had conviction. I, absolutely. Okay. He had conviction with it. So, you know, you ride out with that. Now, when it comes to Styles uh, Prescott and Gerby Lambert, and remember, you, you said Gerby talked his junior, his sophomore year a little bit. And then it seems like as things got on, he just shut it down. And early on, his original conversation was how much he enjoyed Notre Dame. And he was very well aware of Harry Heastan and what he's done at Notre Dame with the offensive linemen. Now, Harry Heastan is not there. You talked about the relationship Joe Rudolph has to build with him. And that's going to come up against this official visit. But let me tell you one of the things that always stands out with offensive linemen when they they visit Notre Dame. 
it's the time with the head coach, with the offensive line coach, but then it's the time that they get locked in with that group. That group moves around totally different than any other group on the Notre Dame football team. And, 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 and along those lines, Sean, just to let everybody know, the Notre Dame players, the veterans report this week, the some of the freshmen won't be here, like Charles Jagasaw won't be here. I don't think that's necessarily needed for Styles Prescott because he's already been on campus and around those guys, but mm-hmm. they will everybody will be on campus and into their summer routine by the time yeah. Gary Lambert shows up in two weeks. Absol- which is absolutely. Important. Absolutely. So that is and what did Charles Jagasaw tell us? It wasn't about what went on with the starters. It was the way the second string was coached. It was the way the second string was taught. It was the togetherness of the group that stood out for him. Gerby Lambert's going to have some of the same concerns, you know, and that's going to be a benefit. And now, you know, the one thing that has to be, that has to take place is that Joe Rudolph has to establish a relationship. But I believe based upon what we've heard, based upon what we've heard just through the process of him getting the job, when he gets the okay from that O-line room to say, you know what? He might not be Harry Heastan, but you know, we rock with him. We rock with the way he talks to us. We rock with his vibe as a coach. That makes me feel good about his ability to continue the legacy at Notre Dame. We know his track record that he can take two stars, three stars at other at other schools and turn them into NFL offensive linemen. He can develop. We know that. This is big time college football at Notre Dame. Can you close the deal with some of the best offensive linemen in the country? This is his opportunity to pass that test this June, and we'll see if he comes through with flying colors, B. Hopefully he does, but we'll have to wait and see. The interest, That's a great point, Sean, about the players because that is one thing we've heard a lot of good things about is the players seem to really connect with Joe Rudolph. And again, this isn't a they didn't like Harry East and they didn't – it's just – it's a each one is a different situation. Yeah. And because you like Harry doesn't mean you can't like Joe Rudolph. Ideally, you want them to connect with him as well. And they yeah. have from everything that we've heard. Yeah. And so I think that's going to help them in that regard. And I think the other thing that, that is a bit of an issue for Joe Rudolph is the fact that this isn't a great offensive line year. It's really not. We've been saying this for gosh, I mean the entire 2023 and even late in 24 when we first started watching the film. So it's one of those things where if you can't get a guy because that relationship isn't there, because you're new here, it's harder to say, well, who's your backup plan? Yeah. Because there aren't the same quality backup plans. And when you look at how loaded 2025 is, you almost get to the point where like Notre Dame's got a lot of dudes on their current roster slated to come back. They're, the 25 class so far looks really good offensive line wise nationally and 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 in the midwest with it's favorable to notre dame you almost get to the point where if you don't get gearby you've got to get one of prescott and lambert just to get your numbers needs but then you say well if you can't get lambert then what do you do well what you do is you just keep recruiting him and the guys that you view top of the board guys and if you flip them later great if you can't it is what it is you move on but that's basically what he's facing this year. But these June visits, Sean, are going to be huge. And it's it's the the, the player aspect's great, but this is a chance for Rudolph to really kind of show his chops as well, to get these kids on campus, 
Um, none of these kids are going to be working out in, for him this summer, so it's not like he's going to get a chance to do that. But he's going to have a lot of 25 kids on campus for the lineman challenge this this uh, weekend. Yeah. And so it's going to be say, okay, now can he connect with those kids the way and then, you know, prove in 25 that what you did in 24 is more about the the circumstances than it is about your ability as a recruiter. And that's what he's going to have to that's what he's going to have to prove. But this month of June is going to be is going to be big for that because if you can at least get Styles Prescott, Sean. Look, I like Styles Prescott as a player. I do. I think he's a good player. I think he's tall. I think he's long. He's got a nice frame. I think he's got you know some decent pop. Although he's going to need a lot of weight room strength, you can look at him and tell he's not a guy that's like just a part of a you know just absolutely killing in the, in the you know he's not Braxton Cave right you know he's not right. just you know doing what Braxton Cave did in the weight room coming out he doesn't have Charles Jagasol's size right you know but he's going to be an easy 300 pounds and and he's a good athlete he's got long arms he just doesn't know how to use his talent yet you know yeah. and I've had people say to me well he doesn't bend really well and I said well I, I agree his film on his film he doesn't bend well that often but it's one of those things where, but you see him bend at times, and it's a, to me, it's a technique thing. Yeah, that's what you always have to evaluate if a guy doesn't show you something. Is it is an athletic limitation, or is it a technical aspect of it? Well, with Styles Prescott, I think it's more of a technical thing. Yeah. You know, he's a quality top two fifty caliber player. He's not, you know, adding him would allow you to say, okay, I'm I'm comfortable with where they're at. You know, they 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 got two guards. They they didn't get the tackle they needed. That's a little bit of a concern. Maybe they can go to the portal next year if push comes to shove and they lose Joe Walt and Blake Fisher. They can go to the portal maybe and fill the needs there, you know. But I think that they're going to be okay as long as they load up in 25. So getting Styles Prescott allows you to get to your needs. We've said all along three, and they'll go to four if it's the right four. Yeah. So Styles Prescott at least gets you to your need, your numbers needs overall, but it's going to leave a little bit of a, a problem because tackle is going to be a very shaky area for Notre Dame the next couple of years. I'm, I'm glad, you, guys I'm don't glad you said that. That's why these visits are important more than anything. We're very well aware of the possibility of losing minimum one tackle after this season, maybe two starting tackles. So with that, you feel like Tosh Baker and, and um, why am I drawing a blank? He's one of my favorite kids. That I love to watch in the offensive line. Um, can't gain the weight. Um, oh, Caleb Johnson. Caleb Come Johnson. That, yeah. And, 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 the kid and that's now heading to SMU, right? Yeah. Right. Look, we understand what's taking place, and the depth is probably not what you thought it would be. Charles Jackson, however, is the type of kid that he comes back. He gives you a little bit of uh, flexibility, right? Because he can play four to five positions on the offensive line. So you need him to start off inside. He can start off inside and then move to outside to the tackle position. Emil Wagner. I don't Emil know why Wagner. Yeah, Emil Sorry. Wagner is the person I was talking about. So, you know, you got Emil and you have Tosh Baker. You know, you're probably going to get Blake Fisher back more than likely. Unless One of those just, two, yeah. 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 And, unless Blake just – comes out just wows everybody which is the concern because that could happen that could happen absolutely yeah absolutely so if that's the case it's a blessing right because now you're sitting there as Notre Dame saying you know what we're Notre Dame we produce offensive linemen and we just produce two first round tackles there you go nothing sells better than that on the recruiting trail (laughs) we got two first round tackles now in 25 and 26 you're going in and you're talking to these kids. 
know, it's a very attractive situation. But now you're probably going to be looking at looking at a very young, inexperienced mm-hmm. offensive line coming back. And then that yields itself to the strength of Joe Rudolph, which is his teaching and his development. Yeah. So, you know, it can work out. But like you said, that tackle position, it would be great if that happened and you had Prescott and Gerby Lambert right. coming in. Now you're cooking with grease. And, and, and the issue isn't just next year because a freshman, incoming freshman isn't really going to have an impact in 2024. It's more also concerning to where in 25, yeah. you're not going to have Tosh Baker in 25. You're not going to have Blake Fisher in 25. And now it's going to be Emil Wagner and what? Mm-hmm. Guys from the 23 and 24 classes. Right. And that's where you came up short at tackle. Now, if Charles Jackasaw ends up being that guy, then you're okay. But again, We've seen guys get injured, and that's the yeah. issue that you come into. They're almost to the position where if they don't get Gearby Lambert, they're going to be forced to either next year or the year after look at the portal. The transfer portal. For, yeah. a, for a tackle, for yeah. at least at the very least for depth. Yep. And that's just not where you want to be. That's no. not where you want to be. And that's why that's why a guy like Gearby Lambert is so important. If you were to ask me today, do I think Notre Dame's going to get Gearby Lambert? My answer would be no. I don't think they're going to get Gearby Lambert. But again, what's the whole point of the show, Sean? That's why the June visits are so important. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk also, there's one particular player coming on campus this weekend. Notre Dame is pretty much set at receiver. Uh, they are not really recruiting any receivers. One of the questions that we had earlier was, you know, is Jason, Jason Robinson still a, a guy that Notre Dame is, is, is pushing for? Is he a priority for Notre Dame? He is not. Uh, that's why you don't see him on the official visit list for June. Notre Dame has moved on there. I think they're comfortable with where they are. They want to use that extra scholarship at other places, and one of those is on a number two tight end, not because they won a number two tight end, but because they saw two guys that they just thought were too good to pass up. They thought about passing it up, passing them up. They decided not to take those guys instead of a fourth receiver. It basically came down to, do you want Jason Robinson as your fourth receiver? Do you want to try to get Jane Riddell or uh, – or, um, um, I'm, I'm Carter, Carter Nelson, Nelson as as your number two tight end, and they basically decided they were going to go with those two tight ends. Yeah, and obviously Jaden Riddell has committed to Georgia. He will not be visiting uh, this um, this summer, so obviously he's not there. Uh, but now you've got Carter Nelson slated to visit this this uh, summer. He is uh, supposed to be on campus next weekend. Notre Dame is doing very well there, but it's going to be a hard close. This is going to be a really big visit for him because I think every time Notre Dame has been able to be around Carter Nelson or his family or get to his school, they've they've really been able to make ground up with Nebraska and some other schools that I think are also there. This is going to be that weekend where it's like, okay, let's really see if you can close the deal here with that kid. And so I think that's going to be a very important visit for Notre Dame when they get Carter Nelson on campus next weekend, because he's one of those, again, if you don't get him, you're okay. Tight end. If you do get him, boy, you're really, really loaded to tight end. One of the benefits of having the guy that was recruiting him from the jump, all of a sudden become the offensive coordinator as well is what Jared Parker, who has been out to see him in the middle of nowhere, multiple times, you know, Ryan Roberts has talked about that trip and, you know, the commitment that Jared Parker has put into his recruitment by making that trip multiple times. So to get the young man on campus with his family, extremely athletic, you know, have yet to see him play, you know, a full complement of football, 11 on 11. But like you said, the athleticism, the talent, and having him, CJ Carr played with Jay, for, with Riddell, 7 to 7 a little bit in the spring. So, 
you know, at some point in time, we thought, man, maybe Riddell might end up at Notre Dame. But it's just wonderful to see because we talked about this. You know, I want to say two or three months ago, Ryan and I were doing the show, and we were really contemplating would they even take a second tight end. And we were saying yeah. we hope that they open that door to take the second tight end because Carter Nelson was the one that we really liked and we knew that Jared Parker had the greater relationship with and had been out to see. So if you get him on campus and you continue to build that relationship, I, I, I really think, you know, Nebraska, we knew, would always be at the forefront in this thing. I think the Dylan Rayola situation and the quarterback situation with that class, I don't know how much it impacted it, but Matt Rule is going to have Nebraska in it. I think mm-hmm. Michigan is, is sniffing well, and around. Then Georgia's not, and, and, Georgia. and, yeah, and then yeah. Georgia got Rayola, and obviously they were one of the schools going after Carter Nelson. They got Jaden Riddell. I want to right. real quick, people saying if Notre Dame maybe didn't stop recruiting Jaden Riddell for a minute, they might have stopped them from kidding him in Georgia. No. No. That's part of the reason they – started to back off, back off. and the yeah. only reason that they really got back in it was because of his relationship with cj carr but yeah that had more to do with Jaden riddell than it had to do with notre dame i'm yeah. just i don't want to get into it but but that that's look i'll gladly criticize the staff when they make missteps in the recruiting trail that's not one and again i'm not going to get into it but that's not one but with and carter I, nelson like you said sean he brings yeah. Jaden riddell i think is the better player today but i think carter nelson has Arguably the highest ceiling, one of the two highest ceilings in the class is a tight end. He's more Jay Riddell is more polished. Yeah. Right now. He's yeah. the more polished. How much better he's gonna runner. get. Yeah. yeah. He's a good player, but yeah. I think Carter Nelson, the upside bet is the one that I think they're gonna do. The other position that Notre Dame is gonna be is gonna really get decided this summer is running back. Now there are three running backs slated to visit this spring. This uh, this in June. Anthony Carey was supposed to visit. Next weekend, he's now going to go to Michigan State. I don't think his visit is going to get rescheduled because I think their running back class is going to be come down to the two kids coming over the next week. This weekend, Kedron Young from Texas is going to be on campus, and then the middle of the week, Xavier Robinson from Oklahoma is going to be on campus. I think those are the two guys right now that Notre Dame is prioritizing, not just because they're the two best players, because I don't think that's necessarily the case. It's just that, as we've said all along with Anthony Carey, he likes Notre Dame. But he was never in love with Notre Dame to the degree that other kids were, which is why he never visited before the summer. And so um, I think when you when you look at it, I think it's a situation where one of these two kids, I think, are, is where they're going to go. And one of these two bigger backs, Kedron Young, to me, is the guy that I hope that they get. Absolutely. I just don't know. I don't know if this staff is going to be patient enough to wait on him because he's going to visit – when I was talking to Kedron the other day. He listed like six or seven schools that he still wants to visit. However, that means this weekend you got a chance to knock it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And if you can absolutely knock it out of the park and let him know, like, hey, we got a kid visiting next week that we think we might be able to get here soon. What's your interest level, really? And I think that's going to determine it. So that we could start getting some clarity at the running back position over the next week with these two visits from Kedron Young and Xavier Robinson. I love what Dylan McCullough is doing. I remember we talked to him when he joined the staff. He talked about developing that running back room and having different types of backs to do different things, having four different types of backs. And he's at a place now, even with the loss of Logan Diggs from a recruiting standpoint, where he can start to do that. And he can say, you know what, we like this kid, but we already have that type of kid. 
in the room. So let's bypass. We don't have a Keedron Young in the room. Some of the things he can do. Love that kid. We don't have an Anthony Carey. So let's focus on those kids because they will come in and give something to the room that we don't currently have, especially with Chris Tyree now moving to the wide receiver room. So you have to love where the running back room is from a depth standpoint and how they can be a little picky, if we can say that, and go after certain kids that they want. Will they wait? They waited on Jeremiah Love, but that's apples yeah. to oranges. That's apples right. to oranges because I he think they knew the they dude. were leading. Yeah. yeah, he was the dude. Absolutely. And I think they knew they were at the top for him, so they were willing to wait. Kedron Young is the one that I would take like, oh, out of the two, without question. Mm-hmm. And me personally, I would be willing to wait. But like you said, if Anthony Carey comes to campus in June and is like, yo, I'm, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Now you have a dilemma. Because like you said, Dylan McCullough likes both of these young men. Yeah. And that's going to that's gonna get interesting to see how that shakes out. So running back is going to be a very interesting dynamic over the, the, the next couple weeks. Let's talk – Let's talk defensive recruiting, Sean, the defensive class, because as we said with offense, with with the exception of the offensive line, and and, you know, when I I think I feel great about where they are with Styles Prescott, right? So I think they'll they'll get their third guy sooner rather than later. You know, just got to close it out this weekend. Then it's just okay. You're getting that extra running back that you want, that extra tight end that you want. I think now when I look at defense, though. This is the 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 crux of the offensive class, or the 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 base of the the foundation of the offensive class is already established, right? The peak is already established. Now it's just getting a little parts around it, right? Defensive class is completely different because you got to finish strong there to have a, the kind of class that you want. Now they're off to a good start, but it's not a gap closing start. I like the three ta- the three ends. I like Logan Thomas. He has a very high ceiling. I love you know I love Cole Mullins as a player. He's my yeah. him and Logan Thomas are right now the number one and two players in the class for me for Notre yeah. Dame. And Bryce Young has the highest upside of anybody in the class. I'm a huge Leonard Moore fan. Kennedy Erlacher has some upside, but he needs time. Carson Hobbs has got some upside, but he needs time. Teddy mm-hmm. Rezac has a lot of upside, but he needs time. Bodie Cahoon has a lot of upside. He needs time. There's a lot of those sort of low floor, high ceiling guys in the class so far, Sean. And and it's not that it, you don't really have the guy in the class that right now you look and say, boy, that's a dude that moves the needle. Even as much as I love Leonard Moore, I, I think he's really good. He's not, I don't grade him as the way that I did Benjamin Morrison, right? Coming out of high school. And and uh, you look at some of these linebackers like Teddy Rezac, Bodie Cahoon have a lot of upside. They're not Jaden Osbury and Drake Bowen right no. now as prospects. No. And and uh, you know I love Cole Mullins and I love Leonard Logan Thomas and I love Bryce Young, but they're not, you know, the big time. Oh my gosh, that guy comes in day one and he's going to be a dude kind of players, right? So the finish is going to be the key to how this class goes. Is it a solid defensive class which does not move the needle? Right. And I think should may raise major questions about the the talent of this recruiting staff on defense outside of Mike Mickens. Or do you say, okay, they got their sea legs underneath them. Look at how they closed in June. They're okay. Yeah. And that's what this month means big picture for this defensive staff, Sean. We're going to learn a lot about their ability to be championship caliber recruiters over this next month. And you can talk about that because what we're seeing in the first two years of recruiting from Marcus Freeman and his staff is things being inverted, right? 
the defense was stacked, and it was the offense trying to play catch up last week, last year, as we went into the summertime with the official visits. This year, the offense got the jump early, starting with, I mean, they got the trio, the offensive trio at the Irish Invasion last summer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't do yeah. any better than that. I mean, well, you- and, and really ended up getting four guys from the Irish Invasion because Aeneas eventually committed. Absolutely. Uh, he, he pretty much committed that weekend, Sean, but he didn't end up going public until – a, a little later, a little but yeah, later. you sealed the deal that weekend. I mean, you yeah, had guys for, like Jordan Marshall on campus that weekend. Yeah. Remember, you had some other yeah. top backs, and Notre Dame was like, "This Aeneas dude was the best guy they had." Yeah, and they got him. So yeah, a big crux of your offensive class, your skill class, was on campus last year for Irish Invasion. It's a great, absolutely. Point. So man, now you you turned up the heat on the offensive class, and in the defensive class, you have the opportunity, in my opinion, with certain individuals in the class. To solidify things a little bit earlier, but it doesn't work out that way. And now you're in the midst of the dog days of recruiting in the summer, and certain guys are a dog fight to get them into the class to close things. I will say this you talk about the line, linebacker Cole Mullins, I'm right there with you. I love, I love Logan Thomas, but let me tell you something. You had a favorite guy at linebacker in the class last year. Mm. And I had a favorite guy and linebacker in the class last year that I covered. And uh, it was no – when we went to the spring and started hearing these dudes are real, Mm -hmm. it wasn't a shock to us. No. And, of course, Jaden Osbury for me, Drake Bowen. We both loved both of them, but we just had that – you know, just for whatever reason, that one dude was just that dude. And and they kept dropping. They kept dropping in the rankings. And we heard that they weren't athletic. They weren't fast. And we were like, okay, sure, (laughs) if you say so. And then all of a sudden we get to the spring and it's like, oh yeah, these these two, these two dudes are real. Not shocking. Kingston is that guy. Yeah. Kingston is the guy that they can get on campus. And if they can lock him in and get him in this class, he's the guy that can come in and be that freshman that we hear about next spring. Coaches talking about, yo, we got another one at the linebacker position. And you start stacking those type of players. You, you start to change the narrative, which I already think I've said it on several shows. I think the linebacker position, this is the pivot year for linebacker at Notre Dame. I totally think so. I Could think you explain J- that, Sean? I think J.D. Bertrand is about to have a fantastic year. Mm-hmm. I really do. And I think we're going to get complimentary uh, play from the youngsters. That's going to inspire some of the – elder statesmen to even be more consistent and collectively this is the year the linebacker room starts to give you the production you need at that position to be a championship defense you know the back end you know what you have on the back end right and you've gotten even better through the transfer portal and even deeper on the back end i think they have really good talent up front unproven but I think their defensive line has an opportunity to be really good. The linebackers can seal the deal for me for this defense and make this defense a top 15, top 10 defense nationally. If they come in and produce the way I feel like they can produce, and it's going to be the mixture of the senior leadership of J.D. Bertrand and some of the youngsters bursting on the scene and making those splash plays and big plays tackles for losses, creating turnovers, some of the things we haven't seen. But those are the type of things that take your defense to the next level 
Malik talked about it yesterday. The only thing really missing from Notre Dame's defense, which has always traditionally been solid, is just the ability to create turnovers and get the ball back to the offense and get more possessions to the offense. So I think this is a year that that linebacker position takes that step. And if you can add Kingston via recruiting, we already know they've stacked linebackers. You know, you go from 22, 23, you get Kingston in 24, Cole Mullen, and then go to 25 and get some of the kids they already have in the fold or coming to the Irish invasion. Now you start to change the narrative about linebacker, right? Because linebacker at Notre Dame is what? We give one great one every three to four years. Is That's pretty much the narrative. Mm-hmm. We go yeah. from Manti, Jalen, Jeremiah, Wusu. Oh, well, let me take a step back. Well, yeah, those are the great ones. I think in between that, you've had some really good combinations. The Drew Tranquils, yeah. the Niles Morgans, so on and so forth. But just having consistent great play at the linebacker position, I think Notre Dame has really set itself up with the la- with the previous two classes and then adding in the guys they can get in this class close to the deal to really turn the table at that linebacker position. Sean, I'm going to say with, with Kingston, I, he's clearly the number one linebacker on the board. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a statement recruitment. It's not just getting a top player. It's getting a top player from the from a, a top program nationally and beating Ohio State and, and USC for USC him. for him, yeah. That's a big part of it. I will say this, though. That's going to tell us a lot about the ability of this staff to get the big boys, mm-hmm. that to beat the big boys. And I don't have a lot of faith in this defensive staff doing that. And, and even with Mickens, I mean, he hasn't done that a lot yet either because he's been so good at finding these kids that – you know that that you get on them before anybody else does. Yeah. You know, learn more. You you obviously beat Washington and in, in uh, when Jimmy Lake was there and, and Nick Saban at Alabama for Benjamin Morrison. So so that one was huge. But most of the other kids they've gotten, they you know Christian Gray was one, but but Micah Bell wasn't. You know Jaden Mickey wasn't. So you but you've at least seen him do it when he needed to. Uh-huh. You know, he needed to with Benjamin Morrison. He needed right. to with Christian Gray, and he got it done. But he hasn't had to do it as much because, again, he's he gets on Leonard Moore before everybody else just just you know knows who Leonard Moore is. He got on yeah. Micah Bell before Micah Bell became a a hotter commodity, and, and so to me, the rest of the staff has not shown me that they can go toe to toe with Ohio State on defense and beat them. That they can get you know can go into USC's backyard and get that guy. So that's going to be a big part of this one, too. And I think the June visits for Kingston are going to be absolutely huge. They're going to be what determine where he goes, in my opinion. Yeah. I think he's very torn between Notre Dame and Ohio State. Uh, and and uh, I think he's he likes different aspects of both. But I think in this instance, it's going to come down to who can who can have the best closing argument, right? It's like a presidential campaign, right? Like it's really close, and the polls are really close, and you have that final debate, and then that final that final stretch month, right? It's who's gonna who's gonna leave the best sort of the the closing message with the people. Well, that's mm-hmm. how it's going to be with Kingston, right? It's who can leave the best closing message for Kingston. I think it's going to be a, a big big part of it. I will say this also, however. Landing Kingston is important, but if somehow they're able to get Chris Cole, if they do miss Kingston, I can still live with that because mm-hmm. he's got a tremendous ceiling. Yeah. And I could see him being the will, Bodie being the mic, 
Teddy Rezac being the rover and that being a really, really, really good linebacker class. Now, the problem is I think they're in a better position right now with Kingston than they are Chris Cole. Yeah. And and so with Kingston being the number one target, with him being a guy that they've been on for a couple of years now, with him being a guy that I think they have a better shot at, that's why Kingston gets a lot of the conversation. Chris Cole's going to be making his third visit to campus, though, this summer. And I think that can't be overlooked, too. Because that says a lot. I'll argue this. Kingston is the best linebacker on the board right now. There's no question. He's a very high-floor guy. I'll also say this. I don't think there's a linebacker on the board right now that has a higher upside than Chris Cole. And because of the success you had at linebacker the last two years, mm-hmm. if that's your third guy, third in the in, from the standpoint of the timing of when they commit, because mm-hmm. he be my either one of those two kids jump up to number one on my board at linebacker, like yeah. whichever one. Yeah. But if that was your third pickup at linebacker, I, I can live with that. I, I really can. So a lot of our focus is on Kingston. That's the guy the staff has put the priority on. They've been on it for two years. Uh, that's the guy I think they have the best shot at. I think it is. I just wanted to add that I think if you get one of those two guys, I think you're loaded. Because I know that right now Chris Cole looks more like a rover, but when I see that kid's frame, Sean, I think he's going to be a will like in a heartbeat. I just don't – I think he's going to blow up, and I think it's going to be hard to keep him outside for more than a spring. You know what I mean? I just I just really think his future is ultimately inside. And what would it take? Getting him to 230, 240? I mean, even two twenty five at the, yeah. you know, it, depending on the strength, because he's a pretty strong kid. Could yeah. could have him be there, uh, and, and I, but but in you know, could he get up to two thirty, two thirty five? I think he could. I just don't think he necessarily needs to be, yeah. you know, with the way that Notre Dame plays, especially the kind of rotation, and he'll have time, you know, and and uh, you know, those are the aspects of it that I look at and I say, you know, I just, I just get to the point where I'm just like, look. Yes, Kingston's the guy, and that's a statement win, and it would say a lot about this staff. But if they're able to to get Chris Cole, because here's the thing about Chris Cole. Two months ago, he was a talented kid with a lot of upside and 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 you know raw kid, but you know, you kind of got on him. Well, now you got to beat the big boys to get Chris Cole. He Absolutely. just visited Georgia. He's he's <laughs> at Bama's on him. Like, you know, he's he's blown up now. Yeah. So that narrative is the same for both of them. I just think right now they have a better shot at getting Kingston than they do Chris Cole. But if they get either one of them, and I think it's it, – because I don't think they can get Chris Cole without Al Golden doing a good job. I I, I think Al Golden's done a, a good job with – I mean, a great job with Chris Cole. Al Golden's done a good job with Kingston. But Al Washington, to me, is going gonna, is gonna to be the guy. Al Washington and Chad Bowden are the guy, two guys that are going to get the most kind of biggest pats on the back for me if you get Kingston at this point in time. And people are asking if you can take all four, both of them. I don't think that there's room for that right now. If you could, but if you could find a way to make it happen, I absolutely would take all uh, both. Oh, of them. Absolutely. There's no you, question. You, you add a scholarship to the year. Yeah. Get both of those. Kids. I, I personally, would. I just don't know if their name staff feels that way, Sean. So yeah. I don't want to say that they would do that. I don't yeah. know. I, I don't, it, it's tough numbers wise, but in, in this era with the portal and all that, I, I think I just, I'd have a hard time saying no to them. That's just like they're, they're, they've, they've met their numbers at defensive end. They've, they've, yeah. three is all they needed. Well, they're still recruiting Elijah Rushing. Why? Because you don't say no you to don't Elijah say no Rushing. To that kid. Yeah. And, and so obviously that's going to be a, a big part of it as well for me, Sean, when you look at the, the, the linebacker recruiting. So it's a big month for linebacker recruiting because, I don't. I mean, they're going to have to move on. You need a third linebacker in this class. I don't. I don't think you can get. You can stay at two. 
because of the fact you lost Prince Colley, because you've moved Josh Burnham and Junior Chalamaka to defensive end, I don't think you can afford to only get what to be uh, seven linebackers in a three-year stretch. I, I that would be tough for me. The only way I, I could justify that is if you get a fourth safety mm-hmm. with one of those safeties having some rover potential. But then you're talking about yeah, you got two rovers in this class and only one inside backer. So I, I think you're, you're going to need to get a third linebacker some way somehow. And if you don't get one of these two these two guys, and now you're talking about maybe going to get a Bradley Shaw. This is a nice, solid player. His actually film was really good. He just doesn't have the body uh, that you that you want and need. Yeah. He's more of a he's more of like the guys they have. You know, smart, instinctive, quality athlete, just small. And I think that's the problem that that I have with Bradley Shaw, and and that's kind of the type of player they're going to go if they miss out on the the first two. So, um, uh, so that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at on on this particular situation, and and why I, I want to respond. Guys, Bodie Cahoon, whatever you think of him, was a guy the Notre Dame coaching staff has been in love with since they first offered him. He was not a reach. He was not a project. This is He was a priority recruit on the same level of Kingston and Chris Colt for the Notre Dame coaching staff. So if you're concerned, if you're, if you have an issue with them taking those guys too early, they, Bodie Cahoon is on the same level as those guys. So, so I see some of the people in the chat talking about that. He was a, t- a must get guy. And Teddy Rezac also plays a completely different position. So um, I, I would just kind of chill with that stuff. And then the other thing that you run into with a lot of this stuff, Sean, is there's this like how fans view recruiting is not like how recruiting actually works, meaning you don't slow play all these kids in hopes of landing all your ones right. because then you don't get your ones and then you don't get your, your, your other guys too. Yeah. Right. You're not going to probably get both Kingston and Chris Cole. The odds of it are slim. I think there's a greater shot. You get neither of them than you get both of them. Right. I would say a much great, stronger shot that you get neither of them than you get both of them. So you don't pass on, the other guys that you got on the class in hopes that you may, you know, hit the inside straight and get both of them because you could eventually try to make it work if you get both of them. So I I would say this is that's something that, that um, uh, I just, I don't know why there's a negative view from some people about Bodie Cahoon, but that guy's a guy that he's a good football player and the staff loves him. So, but finishing this month, this month off with those two guys is important. Sean, we're gonna we're gonna do defensive end last. So let's go to safety. And this is the position that has the most on the line for this month. Absolutely. Uh, in my opinion, even more so than linebacker. Because you're sitting here now with Kennedy Urlacher, who I like, but he's a project, he's a bit of a project, you know, mm-hmm. uh, has a lot to learn about the game, is gonna need some time, uh, that kind of player, but You've got some guys on the board, Sean, that are needle movers, gap closers. Yeah. I'm talking Dewan Lane, Bronte Johnson, Davis Andrews, in my opinion, is that kind of guy. Jalen McClain. I don't know where Notre Dame is with all those guys, but you got to get one guy from that group, and I think ideally two. Then you got some other guys on the board, Paul Menke, Oliver Miles, Marquise Gallegos, who are good football players to different degrees. Uh, a guy that's going to be visiting, I, I, is planning on visiting this summer is is Malcolm Ziegler, a guy that I'm very high on actually, but I don't know where Notre Dame stands with him. 
There's a lot of unknown with the safety position right now. Does Davis Andrews stay in the 24 class? Does he move to 26 and go on a mission? There's some, I think, you know, I've talked to Ryan. I've talked to a couple other people that they're thinking that that's kind of now more to where he's leaning. Uh, Dewan Lane has Notre Dame as top five. He likes Notre Dame, but you know who has not set up a visit to Notre Dame yet in the month of June? Dewan Lane. You know, Jalen McClain set up a visit for the end of the month, but I mean, the odds of Notre Dame getting Jalen McClain are, are pretty slim right now. So now you're in a situation where if you don't get Bronte Johnson back on the board, which they did recently, then, man, this safety recruiting is is really in a tough spot. So I think that's a big thing is, is the work that Bronte Johnson did in the classroom to be able to put himself back on target with being a Notre Dame, a Notre Dame prospect mm-hmm. is huge for this staff because I don't know if any of the other Group A guys would be guys that – you know, you'd be able to say, I think they're going to get. And I think that was that was big for Notre Dame. I'm a huge Jalen McClain fan. Yeah, he's my number huge. one. Safety. Oh, his he had one of the best ju- uh, junior films. It didn't take long, maybe took three or four plays. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's go ahead and get another New Jersey safety mm-hmm. <laughs> the following year because I love Adon Schubert. So, Jalen McClain, for me, last time I spoke to Ryan, I believe last week, wasn't really sure where Notre Dame sat with him. But if this is a visit that could, you know, propel them to the top of the race and get them back in the thick of it, that's vitally important. Even if they have to wait and carry it, you know, close to the fall, in my opinion, he's worth the wait and worth the fight. Yeah. Uh, you talk about, like you said, uh, Oliver Miles, Gallegos, kids that are not, you know, gap closers as such as Jalen McClain, but, you know, they're solid. But this is the thing. That safety position needs a statement in recruiting. And maybe it's just the blessing of what has taken place with Bronte recently academically that might end up being one of the statements that can happen at the safety position, you know, and maybe you get a combination of a Bronte and Jalen or Bronte and Oliver Miles or one of the other guys that's coming in. And you start to feel a little bit better because like you said, Kennedy Erlacher has the opportunity, but he's a project. You're going to have to work with him. He has tools. He has tools. He has the bloodline. We understand that. But that surefire, it's the same thing we talked about with the linebackers, right? When can we get that guy that comes in and safety and you know, day one, when he steps on the field, everybody's going to be looking around saying, yep, we got us one. We got us one. And, and, and trying to find that in this class, I'm right there with you. You have two guys that fit that mold, and everybody else is like, I wouldn't say significantly under them, but it's a step down. For for me, I would say there's four guys in the class that I view as that caliber player for different reasons. I think Jalen and Dewan. Jalen is my number one safety. He's my top yeah. safety in the board. There's yeah. no doubt. Yeah. Then I would put Bronte, Dewan Lane, and and Davis Andrews in that next cat in that category yeah. with him. But they're 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 my two to four in in any order you want to pick, and for different reasons. The, the concern I have, Sean, about the safety position in this class is I, I'm, I'm very high on Bronte Johnson as a player. I think Bronte has a lot of talent. I had a chance to watch him up close and personal. 
at the Irish Invasion Camp last year. Uh, at the time, some people were considering him more of a receiver. I think that showed me that he is flat out definitely a safety. He's not a natural pass catcher, but more so, you know, that's the negative why he's definitely a safety. But the primary reason why I thought the two primary reasons I thought he was a safety, Sean, it really came down to two things. Number one is he just looks athletically so much more comfortable playing defense. And I think a lot of that has to do with his basketball basketball background, because yeah. I think a basketball background really fits well with the movement, the just the physical movements of a safety much more so than what they do of a wide receiver. The well, wide receiver's movements athletically are not really similar to a basketball player. A safety's movements back – I mean, a wide, what, basketball players backpedal. They have yeah. to change direction quickly. Absolutely. Football players and receivers don't do that. DBs do. He's a guy that I think looks very comfortable playing in the middle of the field. He covers a ton of ground. Uh, I just think he's a very natural safety, and and that's where the side of the ball where he looks the most natural. Um, so, to me – when I when I look at Bronte, he's the one pure center fielder they have on the board. Long and that's strides. Important. That's Long very important. Strides, yeah. Here's the other. Here's the concern, though, and this is why I have a little bit of concern about who that number three safety is. Uh, I'm gonna be concerned about Bronte until he enrolls, even if he, even if he you know visits Sunday yeah. and he commits yeah. and all that, yeah. just because of what yeah. we ha- what happened with Brandon yeah. Hillman. Yeah. And and so to me, I look at it and say, Sean, I, I'm just that one's going to make me a little bit nervous. Yeah, it, it just it just is. It's going to make me a little bit nervous until he enrolls. But I love the fact that the kid's doing the work. I mean, because there's so many schools after him. If Bronte could be like, screw Notre Dame, they want me to do something more in the classroom. They want me to take this class, that class. Screw that. I'm going to go to whatever other schools recruiting him. That's that's what stood out to me, too. Yeah. bro. He didn't have to. No, he didn't have. No. To. It's not like his only other option was like Indiana State. You yeah. know what I mean? Like this is a kid that's got schools after him that are that are pretty good, pretty good programs. You know what <laughs> I mean? And he said, no, but Notre Dame's where I want to be, uh, or at least a school I really want to have a shot to be at. And he went out and 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 put in the work. I mean, Michigan State wants him, Penn State wants him. You know, obviously yeah. we know that Purdue wants him. Uh, Tennessee's been recruiting him. He's he's made three visits to, to campus at Ohio State. I mean, you know, this is a kid that's that's got well plenty of people after him. But he said, no, I, I want to be able to to give Notre Dame a hard look. And if in order to do that, I'm 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 going to need to get the work in. So, but I'm just going to be a tad nervous about if they don't get a second Group A guy. I'm yeah. just going to be a little bit nervous about the safety class. And I also think that that if they don't get a second group A guy at safety, it's going to tell me a lot of – it's going to pretty much answer the questions that we need to have answered about Chris O'Leary as a, as a recruiter. And that is that he's just not able to get the job done. Because the only group A guy you got from an hour and 15 minutes away. Yeah. You know, so that that's that's a concern for me too. So um, what, what, that – I just feel like being able to get DeWan Lane on campus this summer, or maybe, maybe right now, Jalen McLean has not a lot of interest in Notre Dame. But my whole thing with him is he's an interesting kid because I don't think Jalen McLean has a whole lot of interest in Notre Dame right now. I think his visit to Notre Dame is is somewhat similar to the one with the one with uh, Malachi Williams, where I think he's maybe making that visit because some other people want him to make the visit more so than his interest level. Yeah. But we've seen Notre Dame get kids like that before. And because some kids 
are great Notre Dame fits. They just don't know it till they yeah. get here. Till they get there. And and that's that's kind of the key. So um I think that's going to be a big part of it. There's a couple other players on the on the board too, Sean, that I, that I that I think are good football players to consider. They're just a little bit different. And one is Paul Menke uh, from Texas, who's going to be on campus this weekend. Uh, he's one of those guys that's kind of grown on me. I like his film. I thought it, it, it he's not a he's not a knock my socks off kind of guy, uh, but I think he's a good football player. I think he's a guy that's got some range. I think there's some. There's some talent to his game, Sean. I think he he's going to visit this weekend. I'm very curious to see how that one goes. When you talk to Ryan and you talk to people that have talked with him, the one thing that he hears is like, this kid is going to fit in, I think, pretty well socially at Notre Dame. He's a high academic kid. Yeah. He's a kid that's got interest in some other areas. He's a kid that has good speed. Uh, he plays. He he's he, there's he's just he. I don't see a lot of flaws in his game, Sean. The only thing is I just don't see any dynamic aspects of his game either. But I've heard some I've had some people tell me he's he's got better maybe some speed than I think and if they're right on that then then he's it's a better pickup. But look, law tall, rangy, uh athletic kid. The reason that I that I'm I'm there's two reasons I I kind of like Paul Menke is a guy that I I wouldn't be opposed to being the third safety. There's two reasons for it. Number 1, I love recruiting the state of Texas. And the more kids you get out of Texas, Sean, the better. And, and it makes it easier for the next group. But here's the second reason, and it leads to what I just said. I think Paul Menke's probably the second most natural center fielder on the board. I don't know if – I think DeWan Lane maybe could, but I think DeWan Lane is at his best coming downhill. Jalen no. McLean is absolutely at his best coming downhill. Absolutely. The other kid that I thought was a guy that could play center field was Davis Andrews. I thought he could be a center fielder. But he's not. He's probably going to be a, a Mormon, a, a more, going on a Mormon mission now. And so, with the concern I have for Bronte and just the overall need at the position, because neither of last year's guys were necessarily center fielders, and Notre Dame doesn't need a pure center fielder. They don't just play cover one all day with the same guy. Yeah. But you do need to have that one guy that can really patrol center field, especially if you're going to play a ton of man at cornerback. And Menke's a guy that I think has the the length, the range, and the speed and the instincts to be a center fielder as well. So I think that is a, a reason why I like him. Uh, he's a guy that, to me, I, I've got my eye on to say, I, I really want to see how this kid's visit goes. I want to see how this kid's senior film goes because he brings a lot of tools to the table. And if he can flash a little bit more this as a senior, then I think he's a guy that could go up in the rankings. He he, And to kind of back up what we're talking about, I think he's one of those guys, you know, there's a lot of guys in the country that have very different re- recruiting profiles. And I look mm-hmm. at them and, I'm, and I laugh at some of them because I'm like, how does this one person have this kid in the top hundred and this other one has him as a three star? Like Jalen McClain's rankings are just stupid. You know, two of them have him like borderline top hundred, two of them as a three star. Paul Menke's one of those ones when you look at on three, they have him as the number 138 player in the country and the number 10 safety in the country. Then yeah. rivals in 247 sports both have him as a three star and the number 49 safety in the, in the country. I can see why there's a difference with him, you know, and, and and I get why there's a little bit of a difference with him because it just, it's, it's about what you value. But to me, the fact that he can play center field, the fact that he's got some range, the fact that he's a really big time student and the fact he's from Texas would make me say, if that's the third, I have some questions about Chris O'Leary. I'm disappointed that you've missed on some of your top guys. But if you look at recruiting in two ways, one is, did you get your top guys? They're gonna. I'm gonna ding the safeties on that because you're gonna miss out on a lot of your top guys if if you finish with with Bronte and a Paul Menke. 
But if you take that aside and just the other way to evaluate is just look at the three players, there's some talent in this class, if if that's what it would get to. And that's why I think Paul Menke is worth discussing because I think of the safeties on the board, he's probably the guy they have the best shot at right yeah. now. Uh, but the fact that this, the, having two guys that can play center field is the thing that kind of puts me over the top a little bit with him potentially being a really good fit for being that number three guy. And I do grade him right now higher than Kennedy Erlacher, and that's been my standard all along. Yeah. You have to grade out higher than Kennedy Erlacher to take him. And and I think he he does. He he certainly has a much higher floor. Yeah, I would I would say than than Kennedy does. The safety position, in my opinion, if we go back over the last, let's say the last decade at Notre Dame, it to me has been underrated, in my opinion. When I look back, I'm watching the 2010 game, and do you know how lucky? Notre Dame was to have a combination of Zeke Mata and Harrison Smith. Like at the time, you're saying to yourself, like, huh, because Harrison Smith came in and played early. Mm-hmm. And just the ability he showed to play center field and the complementary way they, how they fit each other as safeties. And I think Notre Dame has kind of been looking for that fit. They kind of, they had a unicorn, right, in safety that could play center field and come down into the box and anticipate, you know, over the middle and Kyle Hamilton. But who was really next to him the entire Mm -hmm. time he was at Notre Dame? So the last – what was the last really great combination, a good combination of safety, you would say? Oh, Like good combination that just played well together. 18-19 with Jalen Elliott and Alohi Gilman. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree because I think Jalen took his game to the next level that year. I was looking well, at Alohi, I think, helped Jalen a ton. And, yeah. and here's why I say that Alohi was a really, I mean, Alohi's a much better athlete than people give him credit for. Uh-huh. He's a pretty athletic kid. That's why he's, he's still in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And, and that he just wasn't real big. Right. But he was wicked smart and a leader. Jalen was a great leader because he was a former quarterback, but he was not a natural defensive back. Mm-hmm. He, he, played a little bit of DB as a senior because that's what Notre Dame was going to have him play, but he was a quarterback most of his life. Yeah, I think Alohi helped Jalen make that transition because Alohi could help Jalen with the communication and, and the mental part and then the film room, and then eventually once it clicked, that 2018 safety tandem was, was – I would argue that was the best safety tandem they had just because, you know, the 2011 tandem of – the well, because I'm trying to – didn't or did Jamoris get hurt in 2012? I'm trying to remember what year Jamor did Jamoris get hurt in 2012 or 2011, Sean. Do you remember? He got, he got hurt the year they went to the championship game. Okay, so he, he got hurt in 12. Yeah, so then so. I'm gonna go with the 20. I'm then I'm gonna go with the 2011 safety tandem as being the best because it was a trio. It was Harrison, Zeke, and Jamor Slaughter. It was really good. That's a close second to me that tandem in 2018. And and I know uh-huh. you had Kyle Hamilton in 2019. Yeah. But the 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 veterans were the, the for whatever reason they they just weren't as good as a yeah. unit in 2019. And I yeah. don't know what I still haven't been able to kind of figure out why. But to your point, I mean, they had a, a I mean, the Elijah Shoemate and Max Redfield safety tandem in 2013 wasn't bad. 
No. Yeah, that was a quality a quality duo. You know, yeah. you look at um, you know 2015, Max Redfield and Elijah Shoemate was, and and you had Matthias Farley coming off the bench was a pretty good safety. So to your point, the safety position up until the last couple of years has been much better at Notre Dame than people thought. Uh, but I think they also recruited some pretty good talent there. And I think yeah. that's been the most disappointing thing is you know, Jalen Elliott's a guy that I gave a four-star grade to. I thought he was a really athletic kid. Devin Studstill's a guy that played really well as a freshman, and he just yeah. didn't do what he needed to do to, to build on that year. That was more on him than the coaching staff. I thought he did really well. You had a low he who transferred in from Navy. You know, Matthias Farley was a star in the NFL but had trouble starting at Notre Dame. Yeah, You know I mean? So I think safety's been a strength. It just – but they recruited good players, and I just don't think – like That's you said, that I have right now is there. I like the kids they got last year, but I, I don't uh, think Chris O'Leary was the primary driver of getting the two kids you got last year, in my opinion. Well, and that's a concern for me. But I do think this class, if they're able to get, put it to like this between McLean, between Bronte, McLean, Lane, uh, I'm going to not count Davis Andrews because, again, I, 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 just because I think the the, the mission aspect, the mission, of it. Uh, yeah. But Bronte, McLean, Lane, and Menke. Okay. And I think I've got. I think if you can get two of those four in in some combination, I'm gonna feel good about this safety class. It's got to get better, yeah. but you've at least moved the needle, in my yeah. opinion. And and it's the other form of a gap closure that you made it better than what it was. And you get some length because last year's group doesn't bring you a lot of length. It's downhill. It's smart. It's instinctive. It's good athletes, but not a lot of length. This class would bring you a lot more length as well if you're able to get two of those three. Because McLean's the only one of that group that doesn't have impressive length or impressive height. Yeah. But if you look at Jalen McLean, I know he's only 5'11", but that dude is long. Like, he is really long. Yeah. So I even think he brings you some length. So I think safety, Sean, this is a huge month at safety. But here's the deal to kind of get back to the to the the purpose of all this if you don't crush it it's it, this month at safety then you're you're going to be in trouble and if they don't blow Paul Menke's socks off this weekend and he leaves not feeling great vibes yeah. then you're really in trouble because yeah. you know, I don't I don't think they have a I don't feel great about where they are with Dewan Lane or Dale McLean and that's yeah. a whole different conversation that has a lot to do with the position coach I'm not trying to argue that right now right now we're just trying to present you know, where Notre Dame is. We can have that conversation another day, and it needs to be had, and we've already had it a lot. But I think this this next week when you've got Bronte and Paul Menke on campus is has got to be – you've got to hit it out of the park with those two. Yeah, guys. yeah. And right now you need the two safeties that you have in your class in 23 to get healthy mm-hmm. so they can develop over their first season and be part of that depth maybe the second half of the season or helping out in some way, form, or fashion. Not that you need them, you know, because you've gone out in the portal and helped yourself, but at least you know they're there going into that sophomore year to be impact players. If you do indeed miss out on the kids in the class you're talking about. Now there's one other safety that I want to talk about that's kind of interesting, Sean, and that's Marquise Gallegos. One uh-huh. of the questions we had was from Keith Wiegand. Mark Brian, do you see Marquise Gallegos as a center field safety? So right now, I don't I don't think Notre Dame is in a great spot for Gallegos. They're obviously in the game because he's taking an official visit, but I just think there's a couple other schools ahead of Notre Dame. Here's the interesting thing for me about Marquise Gallegos. I would argue that he's either the best or second best safety on the board in regard to how good he is as a high school player. 
I think just look, I think he's an outstanding high school football player. My concern with Marquise Gallegos is the projection to the next level because he's just not real big. And that's my only concern with him right now. But as far as I mean, the thing about Marquise Gallegos, can he be a center fielder? Yeah, he's pretty rangy, pretty instinctive. Uh, I think he's a pretty good athlete. He doesn't have the length that some of those other guys do. And that uh-huh. that would be a little bit of the problem of having Marquise being a center fielder. Is he just he's 5'11, six foot. I've seen some places list him at six one. He doesn't look six one to me. I hope he is. But he is really fluid and smooth. And he's but it just it's that lack of length that concerns me. But that kid's high school film. I mean, that he might be the most instinctive, like smartest, headiest, just makes great reads, and then with really quality athleticism. He's got really impressive film. This the two things about him is I just don't think Nareem's in a great place with him right now. But the visit could change that. And then two, I just worry about where's the upside because of the size. Because he's listed at like six foot 160. If he yeah. ends up being bigger than that, then that's great. But he's got really impressive film. I just don't think Notre Dame's in a great, great spot with him right now. But he's another June safety that that I would add to that board of if you can get that kid, I, I'd, I'd like that pickup. I would. I just – I I have – like right now, he's a much better player than Paul Menke right now. But the difference is, is Paul Menke's much bigger, longer, rangier, yeah. has better speed. It's about projection. And that's why I, I look at Bronte, Paul Menke, guys like that, who maybe aren't as good as high school football players as Marquise Gallegos. But they're better prospects than him at this point in time is how I, I feel. Yo, Gallegos, the first time I watched this film – the first thing that came to my mind is something that I always hear Malik say. Like, you want, look for the panic when you watch film. He always tells me that. No matter what position you're watching, look for the panic. And you see this kid turn his hips and just run, high point the football. He plays too high. He's playing single high center field, like you said. And he's just patient, man. Like, even when someone puts a double move on him, coming right at him, there's no panic in his backpedal. He just trusts himself. He writes himself, and he goes and he competes. So, like you said, it's not about being disappointed in Notre Dame if they get any combination of the young men that visit in the month of June. But you know the top guys that love it mm-hmm. to close the gap and say, yo, yeah. Okay. Now we're recruiting at a different level at this position. Lastly, defensive line. Now there's a lot of shocker. We're having a recruiting show and there's a lot of questions about Justin Scott. Shocker. <laughs> uh, but this is a show about June visits. And as of right now, Justin Scott is not visiting in June. So we won't be talking about Justin Scott. There is uh, one defensive lineman. So Malachi Williams is, was originally going to visit this weekend. I had a chance to talk with him the other day. He said that visit is off. He's uh, working on rescheduling. I don't know if that reschedule is going to happen because honestly, I think Notre Dame likes the three they have. The way the only way that they would bring in a fourth is if it's just uh, the dude. And I think the only guy that they view as being that kind of guy on the board right now is Elijah Rushing. Now Elijah is slated to be on campus next weekend. You know who else is going to be on campus next weekend? Logan Thomas. So I think there's going to be a very hard push uh, for that group. 
And, you know, like there's other guys we talked about, like Brian Huff at linebacker. And I mean, there's some other guys on campus that we could talk about. It's just right now, I don't view Notre Dame as really players for some of those guys, but they could always make moves. Elijah Rushing is an interesting case because depending on when we've talked, he is a guy that you think Notre Dame's got a great shot to get to where they're out of the out of the game. And now I think they're somewhere in the middle. And with him, it's been a while since he's been on campus. The last time he was on campus was like over the winter, I think like January, something like that. It's been a while since he's been on campus. Some other schools have really gotten into a good position with him. But this is Notre Dame's chance to say, hey, look, man, you can do something special here. Because I here's the thing that 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 why I guess I'm a little bit more optimistic with him than others are uh-huh. with him is Sean is because I always get intrigued by those kids that visit that are great Notre Dame fits because yeah. I feel like when they get on campus, especially when there's they players around and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. And to me, Elijah rushing is a great, he's the best. I mean, even with all due respect to the kids that are committed, the only kid that I feel that's been a better fit for him than, than the last couple of years is probably Keon. Right. But this is where we're in the same boat again, Sean. It's yeah. he's a great fit, but he's an elite prospect that everybody else is telling him this, this and this about football. Does he view himself as a great fit? And that's what this visits are going to be about. I like the fact that they're in it. I'm going to be honest. I didn't think they would get back into the race for this young man. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what transpired to put them in the middle, like you said. But I remember talking to Ryan, and Ryan's like, yeah, they're not going to get him. Right. And now to have the opportunity to be somewhere in the race and have a chance to once again propel yourself into the mix right. and get to the top of the heap, that's what you – man, that's, that's what these visits are about, yeah. right? Closing the deal for the guys you lead for and jumping to the top of the heap for the kids that have questions. That, that's, that's why you have these visits. You know, and then you go into the fall having to close on whomever you have to close on, and your success during the season, of course, helps with that. So this this is where that push starts, right here in June. And Elijah Rushing, like you said, you're not about to say no to him, even if you have your numbers along the defensive mm-hmm. line. That's the type of kid you take if he wants to come to Notre Dame. So I fully expect them to go ahead. I, I expect them to hit the, hit a home run yeah. with the young man during his visit. Now, whether or not it's enough, we'll wait and see. But I fully expect them to hit a home run with the young man during this visit.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.